My guest today is a board certified emergency physician. Please welcome Dr. Tamara Beckford. Tamara, how's it going? Doing well, and yourself. Hey, you're doing well. I'm doing well, too. Hey, thank yes. you for coming on to this podcast. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yes. Good. So let's jump right into it. Let's go. <laughs> All right. What do you do? I am an emergency medicine physician, and I'm also a newly minted entrepreneur. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, congratulations on that. <laughs> and so now the emergency medical physician, what are your chief responsibilities there? Okay. So as an ER physician, you're responsible for anything that enters the emergency room. Mm -hmm. So any patients, whether it's from birth until, I usually consider it um, from the cradle till you exit life here on earth. So Whenever there is an emergency, or even if you do feel as if it is an emergency to you, once you step into those doors, I take care of you. Mm. I handle and assess any of your needs. My care, the way that I like to take care of my patients, it entails not just taking care of you medically, but also informing you of what's going on within your body. So that when you do leave the hospital, let's say, for example, you can be discharged from the emergency room, you'll know how to handle things yourself. And what are some of the signs that are there that will say, well, now I need to return because this can get worse. So that's okay. my job. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I have a follow-up question to that. But before I get to that, the entrepreneur side of it, is that something related to the emergency medical physician? Yes. So the entrepreneur okay. side is, it's a telemedicine urgent care, which oh. is what I'm opening. So nice. yeah, the point of the telemedicine urgent care is to provide care for people for non-medical emergencies that arise at inconvenient times. People can get some of these care done from the convenience of their home, whether they're at work and they're on a break in their car. If they're on vacation here, they can get these care done at anything that occurs at inconvenient time, non-emergent medical issues, such as things that you'd go to an urgent care for. Right. You don't have to get up, leave your home. You know, you can be handled via telemedicine and through video telemedicine. So okay. that's a portion of the telemedicine urgent care. That's great. And what's it called again? Your Caring Docs is the name of the company and it's called Telemedicine Urgent Care. Great. Okay. Now for the emergency medical physician, that profession just seems so unbelievable and, and almost impossible to me. Just having to deal with all the different type of illnesses and trauma related injuries. And like you said, from cradle to elderly, everything in between. So can you just kind of walk through what that's like and the different type of things that you're seeing and having to deal with these at the same time, trying to come up with certain plans? Like kind of, can you just talk a little bit about it? <laughs> Absolutely. So other than the fact that it is a pleasure and an honor to take care <laughs> of patients, it really, really is because I take my responsibility very seriously. Mm -hmm. I am entering into a room with someone whom I don't know and they do not know me at all. Mm -hmm. I hear their darkest secrets mm -hmm. and I hold it dear to my heart. Um, I hear everything that could have 
caused what has brought them into the emergency room. And I use that to formulate a plan to take care of them. Now, some of this could be a bad decision. Some of it could be something not of their own doing. For example, you might have trauma patients. If you're at home and you're sitting in your room and a gunshot comes through the walls and it injures you, that's not of your doing. Right. If you might have been intoxicated and you're driving while intoxicated and got into an accident, that's usually a poor decision on your part. So I take care of all these patients, but my biggest thing is while I'm doing this is let them know, like, I'm not judging you at this point in time. Right. The decisions that you've made or did not make, that's up to you. My care is my first priority for you to get you healthy, to get you stabilized if it's a trauma, and to get you to the point where you can be functional again. And as I often state, my secondary care is to educate my patients about what's going on. So my day can vary. You may have five people or say many people coming in with chest pain. And chest pain is a very common complaint that comes into the emergency room. But not all chest pains are heart attacks. But heart attack is one of the common um, things that you have to look out for when a patient is coming in for chest pain. So a chest pain could be a heart attack. It could be a muscular skeletal discomfort. It could be a trauma, a blunt trauma to the chest that can make someone hurt. It could be pneumonia that can make someone have chest pain. It could be reflux. (laughs) So when you go into and you see the chief complaint of chest pain, you listen to the story, you do your exam, and these are what we call our differentials. So you keep those in your mind. Well, this could be all the things that I just mentioned, plus more. And I keep that in mind and then try to determine which one is more likely to be what's going on with the patient who's in front of me. And you have to do it so quickly, too. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And so, all right, so now you mentioned chest pains and heart attacks. What are the more typical type of illnesses or injuries that you're seeing In the emergency room, well, as we said, everything comes through. Mm -hmm. So um, chest pains, heart attacks, um, abdominal pains are Mm -hmm. very common. Okay. And the same thing. Is it appendicitis? Or is it just something that's not agreeing with you? Is this your gallbladder? Is this colitis? Is this ulcerative colitis? Is this a flare-up of something? Am I diagnosing you with something new, such as am I diagnosing you with cancer for the first time? So there are very things. So chest pain, abdominal pain. We are approaching the fall. So we are on respiratory season is very fast approaching other than the fact that we have the ongoing pandemic (laughs) that we can't ignore that's going on so we will have patients are coming in soon with a lot of upper respiratory issues flu we're approaching that season and because of that we also have people with asthma we have people with copd and you might have people with just a common cold but they just feel crappy <laughs> you know they're not sure is this a common cold or is it a flu so they'll come into the emergency room when they're having their discomfort their body aches if they're dehydrated that's one of the things that we're there we can handle that broken bones yeah. slip and fall we do reduction we're playing basketball and you go up for that dunk <laughs> it pops out 
you know, you can come to the emergency room. We'll reduce your shoulder, um, hips, people who have had hip replacement. Unfortunately, sometimes their hip pops out of socket. And, you know, we'll reduce that. <laughs> Ankle fractures, you name it. Like you said, anything that shows up. Right. That's my clients. We really take care of you. Yeah, that's amazing. You, you know, you, just right there, you talked about from hip injuries and ankles to chest pains, mm-hmm. the flu, heart attack, and you've mentioned autoimmune diseases like uh, ulcerative colitis. So you have to know all of this uh, information. That's just, that's what I mentioned. Well, when I mentioned before that this, this profession just seems so difficult and so <laughs> it's hard to really imagine how someone can do all that. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's, you know, hats off to you to be able to do that. So now, for that, though, can you talk about the training that got you to the stage so you're able to kind of pinpoint certain red flags and, and know what's really going on? Sure. So in order for us to be board certified, um, which is what I am, I'm in emergency medicine, of course, you've done the undergrad, you have done the med school, so you've taken the tests, you've got accepted to medical school, four years of medical school. For emergency medicine itself, um, our training programs run between three and four years. There aren't that many four-year programs anymore because it's been shown that you can get all your training within three years um, to be a great our physician. So three years of training. What does training entail? So the first year, um, and each program is a little bit different, but you're going to capture all the same thing because there are standard requirements that are needed in order for you to graduate from um, your training program. So you will be doing intensive care unit rotations. So you'll rotate and take care of patients in the ICUs. You're going to take care of patients in the NICUs with the NICUs. So you'll take care of the teeny, teeny babies who are born, and then you'll take care of people who might leave this earth who are, you know, 95, 90s up above or anyone who has to be in an intensive care unit. You also do surgical intensive care units. So you'll take care of, or, and you're, you do training in a great percentage of the subspecialties. For example, I did do training on trauma. So I worked along and trained along with um, the trauma team. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, you learn how to handle that trauma portion. Especially if you're in a community hospital, you might not have a trauma team there. You are the trauma team until you can get the person to first class or a tertiary institution is usually where you might try to get them to like a primary institution that has all the specialties. So you have to be um, aware of what to look for and to be able to handle that. So you train along with them for that. You train along with the OB. One of the things that I didn't mention is, yeah, babies get delivered in the emergency rooms too. If, you know, you're unable to get upstairs in time or if you're at a facility where the OBGYNs are not at the facility or it might not be a facility that delivers baby, anyone who shows up, you take care of them. Irrespective if you have that specialty in-house or not, you handle it and then you um, transfer them to an area where they can be cared for, but you're the first stop. So we rotate with OBGYNs, we rotate with anesthesiologists, because airway is a big portion of our management, so we intubate patients a lot in the emergency rooms for patients who aren't able to breathe. The traumas, the patients who are in any 
respiratory distress that is at the point where they might lose their airway, then we put in a temporary airway. So we intubate patients pretty frequently. So you learn that from your anesthesia rotations. We rotate with pediatrics. We rotate, so medicine, pediatrics, we do ultrasound rotations to learn how to use the ultrasound machines. To, oh. to, um, <laughs> so th- there's a lot of training. It's three yeah. years of training. So in addition to you training in the emergency room, you really do a lot of this. And uh, we do a lot of ICU training too. Mm. Wow. Yeah, just amazing. And, and that's what I thought of it where I guess most of the time you'll have your, your trauma surgeon somewhere else. And I guess you're right, OBG and YNs and everyone else. And everyone that's coming to the door, you're seeing. You're Absolutely. seeing that. So you have to know what's going on. What's going on. And you're doing, mm-hmm. like you said, the, well, you're just doing everything. <laughs> everything until <laughs> until they come. Until, so, until yes. we get back up. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Wow. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. so in this environment, is it a chaotic environment? Is it a controlled chaotic environment? What's it look like? So you use the correct word. It's a controlled chaotic environment. Okay. <laughs> so if you are looking at it from the outside, you are probably wondering, what is going on? <laughs> you know, especially if there is, like, for example, if there will be called a cold going on. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's patients who, their heart is stopped beating, and so we're rushing to the room to handle things. From the outside, it might just look like, oh, like, you know, a swarm just descended upon that particular area. But uh, it's an environment where, although it might seem chaotic, it's a controlled chaotic. And as the physician, in the, um, the ER, at the time, you're working with a team. And so you have to be able to run your team at, in a manner where you can keep them calm so that we can all think about all the possibilities. So although I am the head of the team, I still take input from my team members, right? So from the nurses, the respiratory therapists, our techs, because everyone is really working at the same time for the best outcome in our patients. So even with our traumas, traumas is another one that might look like, you know, it's a big chaos from the outside, but it's still a team run event. Mm. We have to, you know, you're head of the, the airway, you're up at the top. Even if we do have a trauma center, you're at a trauma center and you're working with trauma surgeons, you still work along them. So we still help to control the airways, but in the trauma surgeon might be putting in a central line, which is a basically, it's a very large IV so that you can give fluids and medications in a quick and fast manner. Mm-hmm. So the teamwork is very important. For me on my team, I like to keep my team calm, even if it might be in a, 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 an environment that is a heightened environment. Right. Because I feel is that my team functions very well when they're calm. And we do things so when I have our team and we're in a state where it looks like something really bad is about to happen, I start to speak slowly and deliberately. In doing that, I keep the tone down. Everyone's heart rate goes down. They yeah. think clearly and we give specific instructions. And then I ask them to, you know, for their inputs, if we've gotten to the point where we might feel as if we're at a stall okay, what else do we think that we can do for this patient? We've mm-hmm. done all of the things, but it's a team sport and it 
it helps in that way. So it helps to keep our, ourselves calm and it helps to, to get the inputs because everyone is valuable on the team and they provide valuable information and help and support even when you are not aware of it. Right. Okay. I like that. The teamwork. Now, with that, can you talk about what a typical day looks like for you? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh-huh. And um, I guess I know there's no typical day in, in areas <laughs> like this, but, but in general. <laughs> So my typical ER day or just day overall? Uh, Typical ER day. Okay, perfect. (laughs) So I'm a night shift worker. So that, you know, if that ever gives you the inkling as to what's going on. So my day begins in the night, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I love. (laughs) And uh, um, so when I enter in, usually the chaos is already ongoing. (laughs) because it's like around nine, 10 o'clock and, you know, dependent, let's just say it's a weekend, especially weekend and it's a holiday season where everyone's really excited. So um, my day might end being, okay, I'll see my first patient. I'll see who else, you know, is left to be seen so far based on who my colleagues are seeing. Because one thing about the emergency room, it's just a continuous process. So you just jump in. You don't really sit and wait to act, to be asked. You just come and you just start working. Right. And so you'll pick up what patients need to be seen. And you'll see chief, what we call chief complaints. So as we mentioned some prior, I might see belly pain or chest pain. I pick that up. I'll see that patient. But while I'm seeing that patient, you might get an overhead page. Incoming stroke in room five. Mm-hmm. So I'll be in room 17. There's a stroke coming into room five. So if I've completed my assessment with the patient, then I'll let them know. And then if I haven't, but I have to run to room five quickly, then I explain to them, I'm sorry, but I have to step out because of what's going on. So the thing about emergency medicine, we have some diagnoses that are very fast paced and needs to be worked up very, very quickly. The heart attack is one. And the stroke is another. So time is muscle in medicine. (laughs) So with that stroke patient, we are, the patient could be rolling in on the gurney, as we'll say, and I'll meet them there and walk with them over to the CAT scanner. And while I'm walking, I'm gathering information at the same time. So it's not really a sit and converse. It's a let's roll and talk at the same time. Right gather info. And then while I'm over there, I'll put the orders in the computer, you know, we'll get some information. I'll call the, the secretary, ask them to call the, the neurology team or the stroke team. And so all this is going on at the same time. And then we'll get the patient back to the room. I'll do the complete exam, which, you know, still while I'm doing the exam, um, we're gathering medications in case we need to give um, medicine to the patient at the same time. Mm-hmm. We'll have a stroke team. Um, at this point, they do do some, because they're not in-house at my particular facility, right. um, so they'll evaluate the patient through telemedicine. And if they said, yes, I think that this patient is a candidate for um, a special medication um, that's a blood clotting med, right. um, then you know we'll get consent from the patient and get that done. So this all has to be done like usually less than 45 minutes from like in. So it's constant pace. And so that might occur. We get that patient settled enough. I call the in-house doctor, get them admitted, get them to the intensive care unit, 
you know, go back to the patient that I um, had to be interrupted with, continue their care, you might get another call. There's an incoming heart attack, which we call the code STEMI. See, go to that, get that patient ready, find out, call the cardiologist, interpret the EKG, get the things ready for the team. <laughs> I, as I'm saying this, I'm like, oh my God, people are like, this is must be crazy. But this is my life. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a it's constant exciting. movement. It's a yeah. constant movement. And then with that, I might have a pediatric patient when I go back, a two-year-old that is just not feeling well, has a little fever, but we get Tylenol or some ibuprofen on board, and then the kid is now smiling, and I get to play and smile yeah. with the kid and say, "Hey, you know." So it varies right. so much. Emotion varies throughout the day. Yeah, but I love it. <laughs> Now, with these stroke or heart attack patients, when are you finding out about them? Are, are the paramedics getting in touch with you? Is it then or is it when they first get into the urgent care that you're into hearing the about them? Yeah. Okay. So actually, that's the thing about emergency medicine. So you have two entrances. You have the ambulance entrance and you have people who show up in the front. So you have people Got who it. drive okay. the Yeah. So it depends. Most of the time, our ambulances are trained to assess um, some of these stroke symptoms. Right. So if they do believe a stroke is going on in a patient, they'll, they can call ahead and then can start preparing. Okay. So that, that happens. Okay. We also have people who show up to the front and it's not until they, they're being triaged that you hear like, yeah, I've been you know, weak in this side and this happened 45 minutes ago. So that's another. So both the patient who is uh, um, coming in via ambulance and those who are coming in through the front entrance, which we call the walk-ins, they both, once we get the inkling that a stroke is occurring, we both move at warp speed for both types of patients. Okay. Yeah. It's the same one both ends. Yeah. All right. Now, can you talk about some, it's just, like I said before, and I, I keep saying it, it's just amazing just how much <laughs> you have to do and how much you have to know, the knowledge that you have to have for this. Mm -hmm. But can you talk about the skill sets and the characteristics that are most important to be successful in what you do? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think one of the skill set is that you, you have to be a, kind of a people's person. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to adapt pretty quickly, as you can tell, based on all that I've mentioned. You are seeing people at an alarming rate. And the thing about emergency medicine is that it's a quick interaction, and then you have to gain the trust of the patient in a very short period of time. So you don't, you're not able to build up the trust over a couple of visits. It has to be an instant. So that's a skill set that I guess it's either you're, with the training and just continuously being in front of patients during our training period. And um, afterwards, you develop that skill set. Mm. You have to be able to pull information out of patients very quickly because, as we mentioned, it's a time-dependent specialty. So when the patient's going off an attention, you have to listen and determine is this important or should I redirect them to what's going on? And listening is a big part of um, emergency medicine for me. 80% um, um, we've been trained in medicine of your diagnosis you can get from the history. So from what the patient is telling you, you can gather, say, okay, well, mm -hmm. this is more than likely what's going on. So you have to 
be able to hold information, assess quickly. You have to adapt because someone coming in might look well and then right in front of you, their heart can stop. Jeez. So you're having a great conversation and then their heart stop. And then now you're moving from the pace of, okay, I'm listening and conversing to now I need to be action oriented. Let's start action based. So skill sets, um, dexterity, of course, all of that you learned during training. It would be best if someone wanted to do emergency medicine for them to try to shadow an ER physician, be in the environment, see if you like it. It's not an environment for everyone. Not everyone thrives in that environment, yet there are some of us who really do thrive. So it's best for you to be exposed and see if this is something for you. Mm -hmm. And if, if not, there are tons of other parts of medicine that you might find your niche. Right. Okay. And just a little curious about this. When you talked about a patient being in front of you looking fine and then that heart can just stop, is that more of a blood clot or is that a heart attack that you're talking about in that situation? It could be both. Really? (laughs) Medicine, absolutely. It could be either or, and that's when you'll get your history, right? So although blood clots, which we're talking about, which is a PE, a pulmonary embolus, it is a great mimicker of a lot of things. But if you're talking to someone, a, a typical story that we are usually trained to assess in medicine is a patient coming in and they said that, oh, I just came from a transcontinental flight. Mm-hmm. I've been on sitting in this, on this plane for eight to 12 hours. I came off and my legs were really aching, especially leg my right leg started to be a little bit more swollen than my left leg. I'm not sure why it's like this. And this is why I'm coming in here to see you. And then I'm not, and then if you, all of a sudden the patient might go pale, you know, limp, then in my mind, like we said, 80% is history. In my mind, that's the first thing that's coming to my my mind. This patient might have just thrown a PE. Let's get blood clotting meds on board. Let's start in addition to the standard ACLS protocol, which is the advanced cardiac life support protocol. So, so what do you do there when you say some of that stuff? I'm not sure. So is it like blood thinners? (laughs) And then just, just curious what you do in that situation. Okay. okay. So this is how one would run a code like that. So in my mind, I am thinking a blood clot could be one of the top things. Mm -hmm. but there could be other things you could have what we call an arrhythmia Mm -hmm. that patient might have a heart rhythm that's irregular that has not been diagnosed so that's another thing that's on my what we call a differential a differential for us in medicine is kind of like a problem list Mm -hmm. like you know okay this could be the the first problem the second problem and so on they could have had a heart attack so is the heart attack is a clot that's within the artery to the heart as opposed to the what people call a blood clot is usually a clot to the arteries in the lungs. lungs right. So yeah, so once it's clot in the lungs, the exchange of oxygen does not occur and therefore essentially you die. It's a quick and sudden death. Now, most of the time, it's not a complete occlusion or the artery is not completely blocked off. You probably will get have mostly partial blockage and those are the patients where you're usually 
saying, okay, well, I have a PE, but they're still talking to you. So they have partial blockage, not the entire thing has blocked okay. off. Now the treatment for the PE, which is the pulmonary embolus, the clot within the lung, is to try to get the clot out, right? right? So you try ways by doing it is to dissolve the clot. So you, you have um, a pretty powerful um, medication that can be used um, to dissolve the clot called TPA. That's if the okay. patient is unconscious, you're having to code the patient. So we have to remember that these are all things going in real time. Right. So that medication is not sitting at the bedside waiting for you, right? The medication is probably up in the pharmacy and it needs someone needs to alert the pharmacist. This is some of our concerns. Please send that medication down. So while that's going on, this patient is still there and needs workup as in like we still need to do CPR, we still need to try to intubate, we still need to give the CPR medications, which is what I mentioned that ACLS, which is the advanced cardiac life support algorithm medications. So we're still doing that. And then when the other medicine comes down from pharmacy, because that's one of the big things that we're thinking about that could be going on, we administer that medicine as well. So oh. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for going through that. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I could tell you really love what you do. You have a passion about what you do and it comes out like when you're talking. So that's great. So with that, can you talk about what you love about what you do? Of course. Yeah. So I love educating my patients. That's one of my passions. Yeah. And I love interacting. With I think that although I have more of an introverted personality in front of the patients, I shine. Yeah. <laughs> I love to just sit and I, I'll listen to their stories. So I'm one of the docs that will listen because believe it or not, you usually give me the clue <laughs> within what you're telling me. Even if you're trying to hide it, I catch, <laughs> I snatch it out. So the, the procedural portion, I do like that, but I love more the interaction with my patients. I really do love interacting with them and hearing the different stories. And it, it, it adds a depth of knowledge too, because that's the thing about medicine and especially emergency medicine. Everyone who steps in, I take care of. Right. So I do not only take care of patients of a certain socioeconomic stature, right. everyone. Right. <laughs> so you learn from everyone. And I believe it's important where people who are seeing people look like me. I mean, I'm a black female. There aren't that many black female emergency medicine doctors right. um, in the country. You know? So it's important too that um, they see me. Um, it's important that for me, that when I go into a room, especially of someone who looks like me, that they see that I'm coming in and I look and I'm going to take excellent care of you because I do, you know, right. that's my mantra. I want to ensure that everyone gets excellent care, but it's important that people who see me and they look like me know that. And I see it in their face. They become at ease, even if they might've been tense prior to me coming in. And that's another thing that I like to do for my patients. I like to really put them at ease. I'm not going to fluff over if something serious is going on, but I think you capture and you understand information if you're in a comma state than if you're more tensed. So those are my personal qualities. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Educating your patients and putting them at ease, not just doing I guess your responsibilities, but going above and beyond that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, 
With a lot of these patients, do you feel like the reasons that they are in the emergency room Mm -hmm. could have been prevented for them going to their primary care before and not waiting until the last moment? (laughs) There there are some situations where there can be an avoidance of entering the emergency room prior had Mm -hmm. certain steps been adhered to. However, I have to be realistic. In the ER, as I mentioned, it's a open door policy. Right. So depending on the community where this emergency room is in, you may see patients who have different disease processes at different stages. Right. So if you're in a community where you have patients who have a higher income, working in that community, one of the differences is that most of those patients do have primary care doctors. And those who do have the primary care doctors, there's still a certain percentage that will adhere to what their primary care doctor says, right? So they'll still go ahead and see their doctors, take their medications. They know what medications they're on. They're abreast of their medical situation. There are, when you're sometimes in an area with a low socioeconomic, sometimes these patients don't have primary care doctors. And with that, you can tend to see some disease processes that is that can be avoided and it's presented at a late stage in the emergency room. So that's an unfortunate portion of things. And uh, not trying to plug, but that's one of the reasons why I want to open up the telemedicine. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Because (laughs) I know that there are um, some patients who will not have a primary care doctor. There are, I mean, the telemedicine urgent care, it's an urgent care center. So therefore I'm taking care of urgent things like your urinary tract infections. I'm taking care of your sinus infections. But if we can handle some of these things when it's at its quote unquote infancy stage within the medical realm, then we we can prevent it from getting to the sequela. So with your urinary tract infections, if you can get that seen and handled when it's only a urinary tract infection, then you can get some medications and be treated within three to five days, you can more than likely eliminate that infection. If unfortunately you are in a stage where you don't have a family doctor, and then one of two things happens. Either you ignore it, and then it becomes a worsening infection, or actually might be three things. You ignore it, it becomes a worse infection. Two, you end up going to the emergency room in the middle of the night because of more than likely you can't get out of work during the daytime, and you're treated for this same infection, but your cost now is astronomical. So you're paying a full emergency room bill for something that's an urgent care issue. Or three, you have prolonged this issue so much that you now have to go to the emergency room. You have no choice. You've become so sick that you have to go. You have to now get IV antibiotics. You might even need to be admitted to the hospital. So you can see how quickly things just got out of hand if it can be treated in early stages. So those who do have the luxury of having the insurance, the finances can do that, but then there's some who don't. And those are some of the people I want to help. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Some Mm -hmm. people that don't have that insurance are, are basically using you as a primary care. That's, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm -hmm. right, Fed Urgent, yeah. Okay, so now can you talk about some of the challenges or obstacles that you face? Sure. In the emergency room, I think one of the obstacles that, and you'll hear this from most emergency physicians, is that medicine has turned into a business. Mm. And so we are now being asked to do things faster and faster. Mm. Actually, it might not only just be emergency medicine, it'll be doctors overall. Yeah. That can be challenging. So, you know, as we've just mentioned, a portion of a typical day for me. Can you imagine being asked to do that faster yeah. <laughs> and being tracked? Well, how long did it take you to see the patient? Well, how long did it take you to get in contact with this person? How yeah. long did it take? Well, how long was the patient in the emergency room? Well, why can't, let's try to cut off two more minutes. Let's cut off 30 more seconds. So that can be challenging because if you want to provide great care, sometimes it might take a little time. Yeah. Rest assured, you don't want to have the patient sitting in the emergency room for an unending amount of time and you don't have a plan or anything. You do want to have that and put together a plan so that they know what's going on. But it can be challenging when you're being, um, you feel that you're being pushed to do things faster and faster and faster. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense being a challenge mm -hmm. and uh, hope that changes. So, uh, yeah. So do you have any memorable moments that come to mind over your career? Absolutely. <laughs> I can say that um, one of the memorable moments is actually didn't occur not too long after I began working here in Houston. Mm. It was Christmas. Yeah. And, you know, I just heard a scream. And like we said, you're in the emergency room. When you hear a scream, naturally, for us, we run towards it. Yeah. <laughs> and I went in and I looked and it was a lady getting ready to deliver her baby. Mm. So I had to go and gown up as best as I could. Within those, I think I had maybe 20 seconds to really throw some things on without leaving the room. Because yeah. at this point, I and, uh, you know, I helped to deliver her baby. Oh. And, you know, so she had a Christmas baby. So that was memorable and a little bit special to me because my husband is also born on that same day. So, you know, right. Yeah. So it was, it, it, it ended up being a special moment just because of its sentiment. So rest assured, yeah, there are still other times where I've, I've seen some things that has, it still will stick with me. Yeah. But, that was a moment of warmth yeah. in the chaos. That's great. So you're saving lives, you're bringing lives <laughs> into the world, doing it all. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, Tamara, we're at the end of this interview. I want to ask you some quick hitter questions for fun, just for sure. people to get to know you better. But before we do that, I want to see if there is anything else that you would like to talk about, or if you think I left out anything, and if you can just give more information on the telemedicine care that you have, so people sure. can know more about it, how to find out about it. Absolutely. So the telemedicine company is called Your Caring Docs. That's U-R-C-A-R-I-N-G-D-O-C-S. Your Caring Docs. Um, you can find us at www.yourcaringdocs.com, Facebook slash Your Caring Docs, or on Twitter slash Your Caring Docs, along with Instagram slash Your Caring Docs, or at Your Caring Docs, either way. It's a telemedicine urgent care. And as I stated, 
my goal is to help people who want to see a doctor quickly for their non-emergent medical issues that arise at inconvenient times. We do this through video telemedicine. So it's a video call. It's all at your convenience. So wherever you would like to take a call, you can do that. And it's, as I mentioned, it's all online. So you'd go online, you would um, set up an appointment that you see that's available for you at your convenience. And then you just look at the list of things. So it's an urgent care. So obviously all the things that we can take care of are things that we can see over the video communication, sore throats, allergies, mild asthma, we can take care of conjunctivitis, um, urinary tract infections, so things of that sort. The aim is to provide these care so that you can get it done quickly before it becomes really bad and you're now forced to go to get care, either in the emergency room or elsewhere for a higher price. Yeah. Okay, great. And do you know what platforms you're going to be using? So it's going to be all on the World Wide Web. <laughs> so oh, you're okay. just really just, yeah, you, you will go to the website and you'll sign up. So right now we're still building out the website. So right now I'm just really just taking emails for people and answering questions. Do I take care of this or take care of that? We should be within the next two weeks fully launched and you guys can come and check us out. That's great. Um, I, I love to, at this point, I do provide some information on my personal Facebook page. I do a lot of educating um, and make videos on some of the medical issues that we just talked about. I make videos on the flu. I've made some explaining all these things. As, I, mm. as I've stated, I do really, really like to educate my patients. Yeah. I've made videos on that. So if you'd like to do that, you'll just do Facebook slash Tamara Beckford and you'll be able to see that. Great. All right. And then is there anything else you wanted to discuss or anything? No, okay. That, that is wonderful. We've done well. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. So let's go to these quick hitter questions. All right. First question. What's your favorite sports team? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> That's an uh-oh. I'm not afraid in sports. I'm going to say my favorite sports team was my high school lady night. Okay. Because I played sports then, but we were horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Volleyball and softball. Those okay. were my sports. <laughs> I like it. All right. Uh, Lady Knights. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite movie or show? My favorite. So, you guys might, like, I do love mysteries. Okay. So, my favorite shows, it's a really throwback. Um, not a lot of people might know this. But it's Agatha Christie's Hercule Poirot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's, I love Agatha Christie's mysteries and her books. Mm. So I re I've seen all of them. Oh, okay. I listen to all the audiobooks. Different <laughs> authors. Yep. All I right. I really love that. <laughs> I got to check it out. Okay. Yes, Agatha Christie. All right. <laughs> now, favorite musical artist or group? I'd say my favorite musical artist. Let me see. I am, uh, I really like, this is, this might go back to my roots, but um, I'd really say Bob Marley. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's really because uh, he was a, what we call a conscious 
um, lyricist. Yes. He um, produced songs about what's going on at the time. And you realize that although it was going on at that time, it's still very timeless. Oh, yes. It it's still applicable to today. So. Oh, great. Yeah, one of my yeah. favorites, too. And favorite vacation spot? <laughs> <laughs> Favorite vacation spot away from home. Okay. <laughs> um, Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh, yeah. I really love Hawaii. No. It was very mellow, beautiful. The people were very friendly. Yeah. And um, it, it was a great mixture um, of an island feel, but yet still you weren't, comp Nick, you know, you are in an island, but then you weren't like in a Caribbean island. Right. It was, but it was a, it was a great mellow feel. So I, I enjoyed it there. Nice. All right. And favorite food or drink? Favorite drink. <laughs> now this, uh, I'd say for very sentimental reasons, yep. I'd say my favorite drink would be the rum punch. Oh yeah. <laughs> really? Because um, there's a family recipe. Um, of my great grandmother who has passed it down in a little rhyme and uh, whenever I hear the rhyme it really speaks to my heart and it yeah. brings me closer to it so when I you know although all rum punches taste differently yeah. about it everyone makes it a little bit different but it, but it brings that sentiment to me so I you know for that reason I like the rum punch okay and I'm guessing this is from Jamaica how did you get? Yeah. <laughs> and where where in Jamaica? Yes. <laughs> we're in Jamaica. Yeah. So I'm from St. Catherine. Okay. St. Catherine, Jamaica. All right. Which is right next to Kingston. Yes. Yep. All right. Mm -hmm. Great. Tamara, mm -hmm. this has been great. This is really good. I learned a lot. I love that you went through that scenario for me too. So I can really understand what goes on with you in mm -hmm. those situations. And you're a hero. You're, you're, everything that you do, you're saving people's lives and also bringing people's lives uh, into this planet. So please keep, continue doing what you do. And I'm just very happy for all your accomplishments. And so thank you for coming on to this podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having Yeah, no problem at all. Absolutely. My pleasure. <laughs> and once again, can you let everyone know that your Facebook page so they can go and find out more information about your videos and about the uh, telemedicine care and if they want to reach out to you for any questions? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So our telemedicine company is the You're Caring Docs. So mm -hmm. that's www.urcaringdocs.com, yourcaringdocs.com. You'll find it also on the Twitter, Instagram, and there's the Facebook page. In addition, on my own private Facebook page, I put up videos um, educating about some of the medical topics that are out there. So mine is Facebook slash Dr. Tamara Beckford, and there's also the Facebook slash Your Caring Docs. All right. And sorry, I say Tamara, uh, Tamara. I apologize. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. No problem. Tomorrow. Have a great day. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.